Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Gimelsanti. My guest this week is Bubba Watson, the great golfer, two-time winner of the Masters, amazingly talented, but who has written a great book called Up and Down about the human side of Bubba Watson. Stay with us. Hello and welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, an American professional golfer. Bubba Watson joins me now. Bubba, whose real name is Jerry Lester Watson Jr., plays on the PGA Tour and is one of the few left-handed golfers on the tour. He's a multiple major champion with victories at the Masters Tournament in 2012 and 2014. In February 2015, Bubba reached a career high, second place in the official world golf ranking. He's been married since 2004 to his wife, Angie, and together they have two children, Caleb and Dakota. Baba has written a powerful book called Up and Down. The subtitle is Victories and Struggles in the Course of Life, in which he talks about the toll that chasing his dream of being a champion golfer took on his mental health. He's here with us today to talk about his life, his career, his family, and how reaching a break point professionally and personally drew him closer to his family and to his God. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, American professional golfer, Bubba Watson. I'm Jim Lasanti, and thank you for coming on the show. We have yeah, uh, Bubba Watson with us today. We're talking about his great new book called Up and Down. And for our listeners and watchers around the world, we hope you'll get a copy. You know, Bubba, I was uh, preaching at my church last weekend, and I said, a lot of you are golf fans. And as soon as you hear about Bubba writing a book, you're going to think it's like one more sports book. And it's so much not that. And I loved it for that reason. Uh, sports books are fine, but you get into much more the struggle of being human, which I love. There's a guy, Neil Cavuto, good friend at Fox News, and he wrote a book years ago called More Than Money, making the point that he's dealt with all these billionaires, corporate heads, and, and they all seem to be miserable, even though in the world's eyes, they're successful. In so many ways, your book echoes that. Success, we believe, especially as men, makes us happy happy. You found, as you talk about in your book, that wasn't necessarily true. At what age did the light go off where you said, I love golf, but maybe it's not all I'm about? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm still learning that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, in 2017 is when it really hit home. I was chasing this dream, this dream of being a great golfer, um, successful. And what does successful look like? Does that mean people praise you? Does that mean more money? Does that mean more things? Um, number one in the world, uh, as a golfer, um, I was chasing all these things and, um, you can never catch up with it. Um, and so the, the earth worldly view, um, I was doing great things, but truthfully I wasn't. And, um, 17 years of marriage now, I realized that, that, She's more important. I realize my two kids are more important. Golf is just something I do. I truly love it. But there's more important things, especially here on Earth, that we got to uh, we got to focus on. And so I'd say 2017, it really, really hit home um, mm -hmm. that I need to do differently. 
a Bubba Watson's, I guess, Bubba, you know, I, every weekend I get to celebrate weddings and because I don't want to give some canned talk about love and marriage. I asked the couples to write me an essay. Why of all the billions of people in the world, do you know that this is the one? So I'm just wondering, you know, it's so clear in the book that that Angie and God and the kids are central to your life. But I got to ask why Angie, like you, you and she could both have married a million other people, but there's something that you saw in her that made you say, no, this is the one I want to build a life with forever. What did Angie bring to your relationship that made you say, this is it, Lord, this is the one. <laughs> she brought opposite of me, um, <laughs> you know, and I could see in her personality the first day we met, um, I could see her personality. This is not who she was. And what I tried to display in the book or I've talked about is that she wanted to be a God follower. She wanted mm -hmm. to be a Christ follower and and that's who I wanted to be. And so we were living college life, right? We were, we were doing everything besides going to church or finding a church. And so um, I could see that. I could hear it in her voice. Um, and I could see that she was the calm, collected one. And mm. I was uh, rambunctious and <laughs> full of energy. And so there was a lot of things um, that we loved to do together um, yeah. when it comes to sports, watching sports and pulling for UGA. But mm. there was a lot of things on the other side where she loves to read I have to really take a lot of time and energy just to get five minutes in of reading. And so there was a lot of things that we truly love, but then there was things that, that we were passionate about when it comes to the, to kids, when it comes mm -hmm. to now adoption, uh, when it comes to charitable organizations, things that, that hit home in our heart. So there was a lot of similarities, but there was those few that, that made me think deeper. Um, yeah. She brought that out in me and, I think I let her relax a little more. I wouldn't say a deep, a deep thinking, but I, I gave her the fun side. And so we just meshed really well together and we had the same ultimate goals in life. Yeah, let's go back in time now. We're all formed by uh, what we call the family of origin. Uh, before you met Angie, your model, your largest model of, of marriage and family life had to be your own folks. Let's go back with the positive first. What do your parents do right in raising you? Oh, um, right off the top of my head would have to be never to lie. That's mm. one thing they always preach to me. They said, never lie. They said, no matter how bad it's going to hurt the person or hurt you, you tell the truth. And so that's something that's always stuck with me. And I, I've tried to teach that to my kids. Um, mm. And then my dad showed me what, and my mom too, but if they were upset with each other, my dad kissed her before he left and kissed her when he returned. And the same oh, thing. Wow with my mom. And so I saw how a man should treat, um, take care of his wife. Um, and those were my role models. And so that's what I got to see. And those are the two things that stick out that I truly cherish and uh, know for a fact I learned. Well, you know, what's interesting is your parents teach you uh, whatever you do, don't lie. And yet in the book, as you say, for a long time, you're kind of lying to yourself that if I'm great in golf, then I, I found the meaning of life. And you knew that wasn't the meaning of life. And uh, mm. so actually, one of the things you talk about in the book is breaking through the lie we all tell, uh, which is that if we're, you know, we have this career going, it's the meaning of life. And speaking of that, related to anybody in public life, but especially a sports guy, um, you know, if, if, if on a weekend I give a homily and, uh, and nine out of 10 people at the back door say, hey, Monsignor Jim, that was wonderful. The one son of a gun who tells me I stunk I'm going to think about that all day. I don't handle the criticism well, but that's a, a smidge of what you must get all the time. You have people who love you, people who don't. What do you do with criticism? <laughs> well, I let it eat me, eat me inside for many, many years. And now, now I, I, I focus more on the things that I, I can control 
or, or things that I can do better. Um, and again, it's knowing that my wife truly loves me for who I am or what mm-hmm. I'm wearing. Um, we had that argument today about what I'm wearing, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, these are things that, that I can deal with. And I know that if she's smiling, I'm doing the right things. And if my kids are smiling, my kids are happy, I'm doing the right things. And so that's really what we're focusing on. And then it goes outside of that, where we try to help our friends or, or talk with our friends. And those are the people that are most important, um, first family and then friends. And then all the social media and the media outlets, you know, they got to they got to make money, too. So they got to get clicks as well. Yeah. Bubba Watson's our guest. His book is up and down. You know, in the book, you talk about the fact very honestly that uh, you were not raised really in the church. It was not a super religious home. So I'm just wondering, when did the hunger to know God go into high drive? Yeah, it's, it's a it's a good question. Um, as a kid, I knew right from wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um we all have that inside of us. We know what's right and what's wrong. But growing up, I never really, um, I didn't use bad language. I didn't drink. I've never been drunk. I don't do drugs. I've never done drugs. So there was a lot of right in there, but there's a lot of wrong and still a lot of wrong. Um, and and finally, when this girl, my, one of my next door neighbors asked me to go to church on a Wednesday night, she said, most of your friends go there. Um and as soon as I heard the word, um, I was old enough. I think I was around 17 or 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I heard the message, and this is on a Wednesday night, youth, youth program. But that yeah. little message that I heard, it definitely, it definitely resonated in my mind, but also in my heart. And I realized that there was more um, to this. Um, there was more to this life. And so that, that little seed was planted. And that's where it grew. But then I left the college, and that's where my wife came in. Um, um, and she, she really watered that seed and, and got me to where I need to be. And that was in, we met in 2001. Yeah. So three years, two years later, after that seed was planted, it finally got watered and I'm still mm-hmm. learning, but it's definitely growing. <laughs> yeah. That's a wonderful thing to be able to know about yourself. But a lot of us, I think all of us, when we have talents or gifts, at least in some part of our life, believe we invented ourselves, And then hopefully along the way, as Dorothy Day, the wonderful social activist, said, we realize that all is grace. Um, at what point did you stop owning the fact that you are a great golfer, but that every gift you have comes from above and admit that, yeah, you've got talent, but it's because somebody up there gave it to you? Right. It's um, 2012. 2012, I won the Masters, and I was ashamed of, I, I use the word ashamed of the green jacket. And uh, really what that was, was me realizing, you know, I thought it was me this whole time. I thought it was me, me, me. Golf is selfish because it's an individual sport. It's <laughs> all about you. And um, I learned that. And so really what I was doing, I was ashamed of, I realized it, was, it wasn't me. There's so many things that happened that day or that moment, adopted my, my son two weeks before. I mean, there were mm-hmm. so many things going on in my life. And then somehow I hit the shot out of the woods and I win the Masters, the greatest golf tournament on earth. And so, um, it was, that's the moment that really hit me. They're going, hold on a second. This is not you. You, there's going to be days you think it is you, but it's not you. There's a lot of, uh, blessings that I've had to get to that point and a lot that I had to, to win that event. Um, and that's really where it hit home. And again, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I'm still learning. Um, you know, five years later, I had my darkest hour in my life, but at that moment is really when I kind of started settling in my mind. And, and the, the darkest moment we'll talk about is powerfully uh, given in your testimony in the book, Up and Down. I want to ask you the uh, the Derek Cheetah question I call. When we had Derek Cheetah on, 
I said, you know, every American kid wants to be a great sports figure. You're this great baseball player, successful, rich, and popular. Why would God, of all the people in the world, he could give it to? Why, Derek, why would he give it to you? And he said, I don't know, but I'm not going to ask him because I don't want him to change his mind, you know? And I mentioned that because do you figure yet why God took Bubba Watson and of all the guys, again, who want to be successful in golf, gave you these amazing gifts? You know, I, when I sit back and think about that question, um, I think about what am I doing going forward? So I don't answer the question because there's no way to answer the question. But I think about what am I going to do with my blessings going forward? Yeah. Um, I've been blessed to be able to get on a, on a higher platform than most people. I've been mm -hmm. blessed with a few dollars. I've been blessed with some, some cool friends. But if I'm not doing the right things with those blessings, then I feel like they'll start, they'll start going away. And so I need to make sure I do the right thing, be the right steward of my money and do the right thing so I can help people, um, not only my community, but around the country and around the world. And so I really don't even, I can't even fathom that question that you asked because yeah. I don't know why me, but I know that it can be taken away fast mm -hmm. if I don't do the right things. And so that's my whole goal now is when I go forward is, is to be better with, with all the th blessings that I have. One of the things, one of the right things that Bubba and Angie did was make this monumental decision, and it really is, to embrace the process of adoption. Can you tell us a little bit about the mindset, the thought, the prayer that went into saying, uh, this is going to be a challenging road, but we're going we're gonna to follow through and, and try to adopt. What were you and Angie thinking? Um, our first date, um, she told me she couldn't have kids. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I didn't even hesitate. Um, yeah. It just it came in my head and I said, well, God can help us have a family. And, um, you know, obviously she cried a little bit. We both did. I cry a lot. So, um, <laughs> so we cried and, and we're talking about this and, um, we were already past the puppy love, the high school love. So we were like, if, look, if I'm going to be a professional golfer, you a basketball player. So we started telling all of our, our things that we wanted in the future. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she told me she couldn't have kids. And, um, I said, that's no big deal. We can find out, we can find other ways to be a family. And, um, so it was always something on our mind. But, you know, I think like anything in life, you don't really think of the negatives. Um, I just want to be a professional golfer. I didn't think what comes with it, with the master's <laughs> champion. I just wanted to be a golfer. And so I wanted to be a parent. And so the, the adoption was easy for us to make the decision. Now, now, the process of getting there was very difficult. The process of um, getting turned down three times before Caleb was, uh, came into our arms um, those were hard moments. And those were hard moments for a, for a husband or a man. And his wife looks at him and says, am I not fit to be a mom? And I'm like, oh, man, how, can, how do I answer that question? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so those are the moments that are really difficult. Um, but to make the decision to adopt, that was a no brainer. Um, that was easy decision to try to help a kid and now multiple kids. Did, did you know once you had uh, uh, Dakota and, and Caleb in your life, I know people think they're going to love their children, but you talk in the book too. You never knew you could love the way you love now. Was that a surprise or a shock to you? A big shock. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, there's stigmatism around it's, it's not your child. It's not blood. It's all these things, um, especially in the early 60s, 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm. And so now, I mean, I don't, we don't even think about it. Dakota looks similar to me. Uh, mm -hmm. Caleb looks similar to Angie. And I mean, we don't even think about it. And there, our kids know they're adopted. We've told them um, and we we still talk about it. And it's 
it's no different. They don't treat us any different. We don't treat them any different. Um, and it's been an amazing journey. But yeah, it's amazing how we don't even people say, oh, this is your adopted kid. I was like, no, this is my kid. Like, I don't right. even think about adoption. So it's the other people that really think about it, not me so much. I can't tell you, Bubba, how many dumb times I've said to people, oh, my God, I see the looks. Clearly, uh, clearly, this is your child. Only have them say, no, actually, the child is adopted, but God makes us so amazingly like the child we adopt. And, and that's a wonderful thing. You just said a moment ago, Bubba, I want to follow up on men are not the best people in the world when it comes to expressing sorrow and grief. We don't we feel, hey, you know, it's a sign of weakness to cry. Where did you get the gift of being able to cry? You know, you asked the question earlier about the, the good and the bad of my, my mom and dad. And, yeah. and um, my dad was very tough. He wanted everybody to think he was really tough, but he was really deep down. He was very sweet, cared about a lot of people. Um, he didn't want to tell anybody that he cared about them, but he did. Same thing with my mom. My mom's that way as well, even though they put on this exterior to not get hurt, even though you are hurting inside. And so for me, I think it just... I wasn't tough enough. So I just went with the other side and I went with mm -hmm. the soft side. And, and so there's a lot of things that hit my heart that I just cry about every Sunday in church. Um, I, I it, something hits me and I, I start tearing up during certain songs. Um, there's just things that hit me. And so I got the softer side of both of my parents, I guess. Yeah. Isn't that great though? I hope you never lose that too. I want to ask you too. Um, yeah, Cause it's uh, something that we, we all of us struggle with this experience of, of sickness and death um, for some people when they lose someone like your dad, who you obviously uh, love very, very much, and he died too young, and he died through that painful illness. Um, some people respond by just shaking their fist in God's face and saying, you know, you could have prevented this, Lord, and I'm having a hard time believing you. For other people, the experience of death of people we love brings them closer to the heart of God. How did Bubba Watson handle this dad that he loved passing on in terms of the faith life? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we looked at it. We had a celebration about a month before he passed away. Um, we had all these people from work and different friends come in town and we celebrated. <clears throat> we celebrated his life. But my caddy, Ted Scott, at the time for 15 years on my bag, mm. um, we knew that my dad loves reading. And so we wrote a letter to my dad knowing that he was about to pass away. Um, and it was about sharing my faith. It was Teddy sharing his faith, me sharing my faith and trying to get my dad to understand about the Lord and, and heaven. Yeah. And um, so we really took a sad, sad moment and figured out a way to use it as a positive. And for my dad to be able to read, because I knew he'd read anything that comes to him in the mail. Um, he read it. And I remember a phone call where he said, uh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be so good at golf. You better practice. And I said, <laughs> and, and my joke to him was um, instead of catch me, he caught me off guard, but I tried to go back at him. And I said, well, heaven's not that good. You're not going to beat me at golf. And, um, <laughs> and so that was a moment where I knew, even though he was in a vulnerable state, we were all in a vulnerable state of watching this. Uh, we knew that, that something had clicked in his head and he started, he, that's the first time I ever mentioned the word heaven um, mm. and how God is and how good, good he is. Um, so it was a smiling moment in a dark time, but, but those are the positives that we took from it instead of looking at the, the negatives. Yeah. Well, but when I'm in church sometime, and I know people don't want to hear this, but I'll say, you know, we've been taught, and I think it's true that uh, that a, a religious life isn't going to get you to heaven, that uh, if there isn't somewhere along the way a personal encounter with Christ, then, then going to church and the religious stuff doesn't have much meaning. Do you know, 
again, when you move from just being a, a guy who takes religion seriously to a personal encounter, personal and friendship with Jesus? Me and my wife, uh, we got married September 1st, 2004. Mm -hmm. uh, 2004, December 26th, the day after Christmas, we got baptized together. And uh -huh. she had been baptized as a, as a child, um, grew up in the church in Canada. But then when you go to college, you just, you're away from your family, all these things. And so we got baptized together 2004, day after Christmas. Uh, and that's really where, where the personal uh, relationship with Jesus Christ that's where we uh, we changed and we still have faults, but we're, yeah. we're trying to take that step forward every day. Bob Watson did not need he's a successful man. He did not need to a write a revealing book like Up and Down. So I got to ask you, what, what's your aim in writing this book? Who are you hoping it reaches and how do you want it to change hearts and minds? My whole goal in this book was to help um, one person. This book is well worth it if I could help one person yeah. and. You know, it's about really for me, it was about speaking up. It was telling my wife, my relationship to grow with my wife. I need to tell her everything. I couldn't hide anything from her. Um, I need to share it with her. And then when I saw the reception that she got or I got from her, then I could share it with my friends and I could share it with my team. Um, and then I wanted to share it with the world. You know, I, I, I grew from that. I grew as a person from that. So I was like, wait, if I can tell somebody else to share and hopefully they can grow and we can just keep doing that and other people will learn. And it's a, it's a dark road when mental, this mental side of it. And so sharing, I think, is definitely going to get us out of it or somebody out of it. Yeah. You know, you've admitted both in the book and elsewhere that uh, you're not always the easiest guy in the world to deal with. And I'm thinking to myself, in some ways, we're on opposite poles. In public, I have to be nice to people all the time. I wear this collar. I got to be nice. But the people I'm toughest on my own family. I love them so much, but I know they'll take my garbage and still love me. I get a sense, though, you may be the opposite. Sometimes you let the real world see the not so beautiful sides of Bubba. But, you know, around those kids and your wife, you're this beautiful guy. Is that accurate or, or are you tough on all people? No, it's it's, uh, you know, I'm trying to learn. There's no guidelines to learn how to be a professional athlete or a so-called celebrity. Yeah. And for me, um, I'm a slow learner, but I've got this, I've got these things as a child that I remember, right? I remember this hard man, this, this tough lady and those linger and those linger later in life. And I think a lot of our upbringing dictates who we are as people. And yes, there's a lot of positives in there, but there is some negatives in there. And so learning that, um, learning to trust people, learning to trust, um, that media or fans are going to treat me fairly. Mm -hmm. um, those are hard things to come by. And then when you see social media or media take stabs at you, it hurts. And so then you kind of go into a shell when you're around those kind of people uh, at tournaments. But when I'm home, I can just wear a T-shirt and sweatpants and be <laughs> normal, right? Be the dad or, or husband that I should be. Yeah. Go, speaking of being the kind of dad you should be, have you and Angie, I know your kids are young, but do you have any idea how to take this faith that you love, the values that you treasure, is, is there a right or wrong way to pass them on to those children you adore? Um, you know, it's a great question. All I can do is try to teach and, and, and take them to church and, and let them see what dad wants to be or and who mm -hmm. mom wants to be. Um, you know, we, we've helped the children's hospital here in town. And so we go at Christmas and deliver presents to the, the children and, we try to show them different charity things that we do and why we do them and tell them. 
And hopefully they learn from that. Hopefully they, they see, see the positives of it and how we're trying to help people. And really your actions are going to be better than actual right. words. And That's when they right. see the action, they know, they know that what I'm doing is real. Uh, Bubba, last question then. Uh, my last question is the uh, toughest prayer in the world. Our Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In the book, you have this powerful moment of falling on your knees and saying, Lord, help me out here. Is it still tough to thoroughly give your life to him? Some days it's, it's easier than others. Um, you know, all of self gets in the way. Um, mm. All of, you know, a golf has taught me to be selfish because it's one, it's man against man um, yeah. trying to beat all the other players. And so for me, yes, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes, but then there's other days when I, when I get in the word and I read in the morning, it's mm -hmm. a lot easier. And then when the kids are being nice, it's very, it's a lot easier that day too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really the process of getting better each day. And, and you know, that's the whole goal, right? Bubba Watson, thanks for being with us. Thanks for writing up and down. You didn't need to do this. You are so revealing, so good, so honest, so true. And you're helping not just men, but all of us to be better people because of your willingness to share. Thank you for your vulnerability. And then God bless you, my friend. Uh, thank you so much, man. God bless you. You take care. Bye-bye now. Yeah, bye. I want to thank Bubba Watson for being with us. You know, it's been my privilege over the 30 years that I've been doing TV and radio to interview a number of athletes, and, uh, and a lot of them have been taught by their professionalism and dealing with the media to be careful and cautious in what they say and how to say it. The interesting thing about Bubba Watson is uh, how incredibly uh, vulnerable and blunt and upfront he is. I, you know, I picked up up and uh, what's it called? Look at me blowing it up and down uh, his wonderful book, and and I I, I was putting it off. For a while in terms of reading it because i've read so many athletes books that frankly just one recounting after another of uh you know what games what tournaments they were in what their scores were um how tough it was to beat this guy or that guy and frankly uh that stuff might be interesting to a lot of people but it's not to me and then i started reading and from the introduction on uh, bubba says don't be counting on a typical sports book because uh golf is what i do but it's not who i am and then he goes on to great length to talk about his struggles, uh, his challenges, both in his uh, personal life, in his faith, in his experience of uh, finding the right woman and, and being the right husband and the right dad, uh, totally vulnerable. Um, and for this guy who to the world seems to have everything, all the success and the power and, and the popularity to say, you know, I, I'm a mess sometimes and I struggle and I want to share those struggles with you and I want you to know the way out are the two great loves, to love my God and to love my family. That's my meaning. It was just a wonderful experience to read the book. And I hope for lots of our listeners and watchers, you'll think about getting Bubba Watson's book. But more importantly, learn the lesson of his life, that uh, we are greatest when we are weak. We are our most uh, joyous in the sight of God when we stop pretending to be something we're not. And instead, accept who we are and live as people of truth and live in our God, and, and live a love for our family and those who are dear to us that is part of our vocation as human beings. Thank you, Bubba, for your honesty, your truth, your vulnerability, and writing up and down. As, as we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any comments to make, please send them to me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. You can get past episodes on YouTube by going to Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. And don't forget, 
to click like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Asante. And now we're also on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer of Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.